Welcome everybody to the Advanced Real Estate Talk. It's Orania, the mindful investor. As you know or may not know, I do um, uh, mobile home parks in the US, portfolio in Canada. And right now I'm interested in uh, commercial real estate, uh, retail, industrial, and flex in, uh, in the US and uh, development here in Canada. And I'm here with Glenn, Glenn Sutherland, who um, flips houses in the US, south of the border, and also has a coaching course, which isn't full, but uh, maybe uh, opening again uh, uh, in later in the year, 2022. And third uh, host is uh, Darcy White, darcywhite.com. Darcy is a syndicator from the West Coast, and he syndicates all across the country, all across Canada. So thanks for tuning in. And today Everybody. we'll be discussing um, investing in the US. It's something uh, Glenn and I do and uh, that may be of interest to the, the, the listeners. We'll be very high level because we, you know, we like to keep our episodes short. short. And um, so personally, I've done mobile home parks in Arizona and I'm looking at commercial real estate um, a little in different cities in the, in the US. Um, a few things I'll say about investing in the US. Um, a technique I like to use for commercial real estate is uh, to find deals. I like to look at um, the websites of residential brokers who may uh, have a commercial deal and mis misrepresent it. Uh, and, and that way you can find deals sometimes. And also one of the advantages of investing in the US data is readily available in terms of uh, crime rate uh, and uh, i subscribe to craigsy uh, and uh, there is a, an inside section that tells you for example if you want to look at leases for commercial property it tells you how many days the properties stay on the market you get a traffic count household household income and um, and the medium rent uh, per square foot so there is a lot of data when, when investing in the us uh, finding financing can be um, a challenge. All right, one second before you go yep. too far. Is there a, is that a paid website? Yeah. Nothing so else. for the, the special insights, I had to pay. Yep. But uh, you have a little bit of insights available, but uh, not much. Uh, but it's uh, it's a new product. So you have two sources of information in the US. Uh, the, the major one is CoStar. They have a data analyst working for CoStar and it's quite expensive, but Craigslist has, a, has an in-between in formula that um, they provide a, quite a bit of information and, uh, and, uh, and it's, it's quite affordable. Wow, uh, I don't know anything like that in Canada. I mean, we, we use CMHC and Realtors stuff and Bank of Canada stuff and bank-related stuff, but there's no, I mean, maybe our listeners know about it, third parties that offer this kind of information. That's, that's pretty cool i mean we've had to build it from the ground up that's amazing stuff in canada you have reports like a quarterly annual reports for commercial by uh, cbre you know the big uh the yep. big players yep. avison so, young yeah. and jll and all the others i subscribe to those yeah marcus Milchap. yep Milchap. <laughs> <laughs> i think that's how you say their name the yeah, but those, are like, <laughs> but those aren't third third parties that are uninvolved. I mean, they're kind of hawking their own stuff. So on, you know, um, you're not going to see other people's things, but you're going to see their point of view. Those third party um, reports are pretty cool that they have in the States. I think they're just a product of such a great market. Well, I um, think it's a lot of it is it, it's the privacy. 
they you know, a lot oh, of yeah. this stuff is public record so if you you can scrape this and put it together and build you know analytics out of it right you can you know, just by pulling it like I, I subscribed a whole bunch of software and all it is is can you find all this stuff for free everywhere else yeah but you're gonna have to log into like 10 websites to do it and i'm willing to pay to have it put all together and scrape the county records, scrape the all you know everything, and just put it all together so I can see whenever I go to look up a property, I want to see the comps around it, what's been sold around it. I want to see who the owner is, where the owner lives, um, everything I can find about the history of the mortgages, the history of like what's the registered mortgages on the property. I want to see you know it's great for negotiation. Uh, I want to see what the last sale prices were in in, in history. Like go, I can go back through time and see them all. And I just like that it pulls it all into one spot. <laughs> That's extraordinary access. In in Canada, you're working with uh, BC. You can look at BC assessment and they'll let you peek at your neighbor's assessment for a five-week period between January 3rd and February 7th or something silly like that so that you can appeal. And then they close it down. The rest of the year, it's only available to lawyers, databases, and realtors. And realtors can search through MLS.ca for past sales or through the Fraser Valley Real Estate Board or some of these other proprietary agencies, but an average investor like us, you can't. So you're using a lot less information and it's a really different market. I think that's maybe part of the genius of uh, one of the appeals of the U S market. You can get such data. It's just a really different place for us. Yep. Data's power. And uh, Mm -hmm. sometimes it's, you know, there's a, there's advantages too to not having that data, right? If you want, if you're a seller, you, you may not yeah. want, you may want to withhold or not have people seeing that you just bought the house and you turned and you're basically doing a double close on it. Um, yeah. It might be valuable that they didn't see that you just did this. <laughs> sure. Because when we're buying a property, part of our due diligence is a title search, but we're paying a lawyer for that because um, you need to find out. And if the data is not readily available or behind, paywalls or just proprietary or it's part of the municipality or the district you can't get at it you just can't and you have to have a reason for asking and they'll give you a really hard time if you go down to the city hall um, you'll run into a clerk who will just hide behind access to information laws they won't give it to you anyway Ari we cut you off because we we started yeah, yeah, no, it's just fascinating. Yeah. Um, yeah, and in terms of financing, uh, it's a bit different. And uh, uh, I, the way that for the deals I do, which are a little larger, uh, you can find. So, for example, mobile home parks, there is a lot of seller financing. It's going to be a, a topic for another conversation. We, we've planned to discuss with uh, the group here, and yeah. uh, so a lot of seller financing, and uh, the, the loans I get are through. Um, you can get hard money, you can get, uh, I also found long-term debt, but you have to put, because you're, because I'm a foreign national, I have to put larger down payments. So that's the only trick. And, uh, but the terms are similar to what you would, uh, but it's not forever, you know, it's uh, the, um, the balloon is five to uh, five to 10 years. Uh, but, but lending is, uh, is available for foreign nationals and it's going to be based on the asset uh, more than, more than the, um, individual and uh, lastly uh well here i'll just keep going because then we'll just we'll piggyback on each other's things so if we're going to talk financing too one thing that's um different between the us is you can you can get 30-year loans on residential properties right 
like a 30 year loan, right? Like uh, typically um, for people talking term in Canada, it's usually a five year term and then a renewal, right? Is the, the typical, right? Um, whereas typical in the US is a 25 or 30 and you can lock it in. Um, and we can get those as Canadians. Um, my loans that I have out there, all of mine, I usually do go for the 30 year, uh, except for I have one property that's a seven year because they also love to change their lending standards all the time. And whenever I went to do the one purchase <clears throat> or refinance, I uh, they just didn't have it all available to the foreign national program at that time, um, but it did come back. And that's the thing, it changes all the time. And that's why uh, I think that Ari was intentionally not saying like what the leverage rates were, what the interest rates were, because they vary by the month. <laughs> what the, what They change what they want to lend on uh, based on whatever the risks they see in the world and in the States, and they change their, their lending all the time, way, way, way more often than Canadian ones, uh, where the leverage rate will just change. You go to get, like, for instance, I'm trying to do some loans right now, and the leverage rate is changing just from last month, um, what, the, what they're offering to foreign nationals. Interest rates are going up. That's, we're going to talk trends. Canada and the U.S., interest rates are going up now, right? And uh, yeah, anyway, continue, Ari. Yeah, so that's for financing. And then uh, you might be curious in terms of taxes. There is a tax treaty between U.S. and Canada. I'm not an accountant. Check with an accountant. And for the whole the information we provide here, it's just based on our experience. It's not. Uh, it's no recommendation to buy or sell securities. Then <laughs> with a lawyer, do your due diligence. From my experience, um, so to avoid paying double taxes, uh, uh, my accountant uh, suggested we use uh, an LPGP structure, limited partner, general partner. Uh, the general partner can be a C-Corp or an LLC. And uh, in my case, the general partner uh, was an LLC. And, um, and then we had limited partners, myself and another partner, and we invested together uh, in, in those mobile home parks. And yeah, so that's that's the structure we were using, and that's not a recommendation to use that structure either. <laughs> and also, like if you're talk structure, I would say do talk to an attorney or a CPA every time, because whenever I talk to mine, depending on what there isn't a one size fits all, because depending on what our what our plan is for what we're doing, if we're trying to do flips, or if we're trying to buy and holds, or we're trying to do burrs, uh, or how long or how many we're trying to do. Um, it will change. The, the, a good attorney will have a different plan depending on what you're trying to do. And my attorney or my CPA actually will build something different every single time. <laughs> well, not every single time. A lot of times it's the same, but depending on what we're trying to do and what the goals of the people who are working in here, we do change it, right? Yeah. Um, and so, and what, what Ari said with the, the IRS uh, tax treaty, is completely right. Like that, it, and so the one thing that people may not understand is um, when you do want to do taxes, you, know, you have to file your taxes in the U.S. first, and then that paperwork gets sent to your CPA or if you do it yourself um, in Canada, then they do they use that paperwork from the states to file your Canadian ones. So U.S. first and then Canada, because yeah. um, I, I know a lot of people in their first year get that messed up. And they file their Canadian ones, then they file the U.S., and then they have to file their Canadian ones again. And one note, you can depreciate uh, the assets in Canada. Canada doesn't take uh, into consideration the depreciation. Yeah. It, it, that's, you know, the other two, uh, your other two uh, hosts have invested in the U.S. I haven't. Um, partly for those reasons, I just found the threshold for the tax requirements and the structure 
complicated for what we're doing because I'm involving a larger pool of people involved in this. Um, and I just, yeah, what well, the brain couldn't understand, it said no to it. It was overwhelming at the time. And I lost the opportunity for it because, you know, in 2010, 9, 10, we were looking at uh, whether Windsor or uh, Arizona. And, you know, many times when I flew to Windsor or flew to Toronto initially and then drove to Windsor through um, Kitchener, Cambridge, Waterloo, London, uh, Cambridge, you know, uh, Leamington and, you know, scraped ourselves into uh, Windsor after four hours of driving in the snow. I cursed myself saying, why didn't I just fly to Arizona? You know, <laughs> flip flops and shorts in the middle of the winter and keep a set of golf clubs stored in a storage space in my building. Um, because at that time, if you recall, the Canadian dollar was stronger than the US and I actually got leverage on the US purchases and it went the other way and we knew it was going to go the other way. Just, you know, the idea of just, it, it grew into the, but the complexity of the it's, it's holding structure. I think with everyone who is successful in this, they figure out what they're good at. Uh, they yeah. have a focus and they do the same thing over and over again. Um, if you have shiny objects get syndrome and you're doing every single strategy, yeah. you're, what is it? Uh, jack of all trades and master of none, right? Like you, yeah. you, you need to really focus down and just switching countries as a whole is a lot to figure out, right? It is. And even it me sure just is. doing US, because that's what I focused on. I've switched everything from Canada to the US then to go and even just do all the different strategies. It's a lot to learn. And every time you start something completely new, you're exposing yourself to new things, that you, new, new things you don't know yet. You don't know yeah. what you don't know and you'll make mistakes. And that's part of the whole thing. But uh, you know, if you're using other people's money, um, I would prefer to do something that I've done before and know Absolutely. that there's going to be a lot less risk because it's, it's been done. I've used the same lenders. I've used, you know, it's rinse and repeat, same contractor, same, you know, it's, it's predictable. You've made the whole thing. Uh, <laughs> anyway, we're, we're kind of on a side track. Yeah. But these are reasons why, you know, that might be the reasons why I didn't, but these are the reasons why I would, and why I would encourage our listeners to consider this. Um, the U.S. is one of the most dynamic economies in the world. Maybe China is growing at five or 6% their economy. And it's so big that 6% of this behemoth is unbelievable. Um, you know, I have some concerns about stability in places like China and risk, but if you, you know, balance the dynamicism of the U S economy against risk, it's relatively, um, relatively safe for, for investment purposes. You're not going to get your property seized from you. Whereas in China, I think that's a real proper possibility in places like Turkmenistan, significant possibility you could have your property seized or you could, you know, have troubles working on them. Um, also think what happens in the US is it's cheap relative to the value you're still able to purchase. In the rest of the Western world, because they're constrained by either some tight geography, say for instance, Switzerland, or by a lot of people, uh, Germany, 60 million people, France, 120 million people. Um, it's, it's expensive, land is expensive, but in some places in the US, land is relatively cheap. And you can buy a revenue producing house for less than $100,000. That's incredible. There's not a lot of places in the world you could do that, that are as safe as the United States. I think you should consider that. Um, it's a huge Darcy, market. if anyone's listening and they want to buy some land, and my, we actually, this is going to come out <laughs> for a couple months, but I, I have land on the MLS asking 15 grand for a huge lot. Like, that's incredible. <laughs> you can't do that around here. Um, 
not even in places like Horsefly and Likely. Those are actual real places in British Columbia. You can look them up when you're off the podcast. You can't buy a $15,000 piece of property in BC. That's nuts. It's not possible. Um, so that's why the US uh, looks very, very appealing because it's they're like us. They're like our cousins, but just a little bit different, enough different that there's leverage there for a good Canadian investor. I would recommend it. Um, but I also would say, one thing I have noticed, there's a huge difference in competitiveness. Um, in Canada, we are fairly structured and taken care of. It is a strong underlying social democracy. The United States is not. It is a republic for which we stand united, one nation, indivisible before God. It is a totally different country, and it is very competitive. In Canada, I don't think it's as competitive. So a very aggressive and astute investor in Canada can go a long ways because your competitors are sort of constrained by an awful lot of social things. In the United States, not so much. So if you're a big dog, you can go a long ways in the States. But if you're a little dog, you are an appetizer. And that would be my, is that a quote for the show? Be the big dog, not the appetizer. Um, in, the, in the States, it's highly competitive. It, it just really is. And there's no one going to catch you. So, uh, you know, those, that's all I can contribute to this conversation. Other than I well, love I the United you States. said the, you know, the cost difference too, right? We were talking about yeah. the land, $15,000 land. And just um, a lot of the, the properties I buy are far below replacement value. You can't even yeah. build houses for the cost. And you go, well, you know, oh, it's, this is still a result of, you know, 2007 and 2009 when they had their recession, right? Maybe that's mm. the result of it. But no, even back then, they were still below replacement costs, right? The, yep. the, the, the material has gotten more expensive than the buildings. Um, yep. And um, like sometimes I was buying <laughs> about a 17,000 side-by-side duplex. It was 4,000 uh, square, 4,000 square feet for 17 grand. And you go, how the bricks are worth that much, right? Yeah. Um, and so there is opportunity, but it doesn't happen everywhere. And even still, whenever I'm looking at different markets, um, like the, the exterior of the US is even completely different than the interior, right? The exterior is going to be much more expensive. Um, yep. Anything that any state that touches water is going to be more, as a general rule, is more expensive than states that don't touch water. Yep. Um, and, you know, the, the same opportunities um, you might have, depending on what your strategy is, different strategies work in different places better, right? Um, you know, so I won't go too far into it to try and dip, split it up. But even if for me, whenever I want to do a flip in, say, um, an exterior state compared to an interior state, um, I work on percentages when I'm on an interior state, like I need to make a certain percentage of uh, on, on my of the profit. Whereas in the exterior states, I have to make a certain amount of money because I can't operate at the same percentages, yeah. if that makes any sense. Um, so percentage wise, I do better on the in the interior. And then I make more cash on the exterior, but I'm also more expensive properties that I'm starting with. Hmm. Right. Well, that's gold. I hope people are listening. Yeah. I mean, if you're starting with a blank piece of paper trying to figure out what to do, I mean, this is a really good conversation compared to what you know, for our Canadian listeners, compare what you know about the Canadian market and then just think about what's possible in the U.S. market. Um, well, I, I a lot would. of times your, your down payment in, say, Ontario or B.C. could be the whole house purchase in the United States because mm -hmm. the prices are that different. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the interesting thing is both countries confess to having a housing crisis. 
right? I, if, I, if our listeners are not in the BC region or the GTA, um, there is a housing crisis. Um, the cost of housing is really high across the land development in this country is extraordinarily high. Um, uh, but for places like the States, they're confessing the same uh, problems with housing and homelessness and housing insecurity. And the price that they're housing on those interior states is a fraction of what it is in BC and Alberta and Saskatchewan, Manitoba. Um, I think it just exas it just highlights how problematic it is in Canada for a country with what, 33, 34 million people. Um, and all this land to have a housing crisis is something of a problem, so expensive housing. Well, everyone wants to live in the same spot. That's the yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, oh, we all want to live right here, but just a little bit farther? No, no. Yeah. Not, just not. We want to be right in the heart. Yeah. For those listeners, we're recording this in April, um, and our weather is probably very different from between the two locations that we're recording. Uh, we're well into springtime here. Um, we, we had 26 you know you know canadian temperatures you know because they have americans have their own temperature system um but Fahrenheit. we're talking about the u.s <laughs> <laughs> i don't i have to get a calculator to calculate that um but we had 26 like two days ago and then yesterday we had so it says woo yeah, we had some yeah. snow on the, on the ground this morning yeah 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 and uh we had snow in january yeah a little bit but it was cold here. It was like six degrees and raining yesterday and heavy thunderstorms and a lot of rain, but uh, it was also 17 later in the day. So it's pretty nice. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. That's why people want to live here. And that's why the land is ridiculous. You can't find a $15,000 piece of land, not in, not anywhere in BC. I don't think, I don't think it's possible. Maybe one of our listeners out there, find us a $15,000 piece of property. It's going to be, um, if you find a $15,000 piece of property, it probably doesn't have access yeah an easement or something like that mm-hmm. be on the top of a mountain and you can't get to it yeah. <laughs> okay well thank you everybody for tuning in uh so this was uh, an overview of uh, some of the benefits of investing in the u.s and you know what uh, glenn and uh, i have done and what you know, how this compares to investing in canada with darcy so um Glenn can be found, you can find more information about Glenn at glennsutherland.com and Darcy at Darcy at darcywhite.ca. And for me, it's the mindfulinvestor.net. And if you want to learn more, uh, uh, Glenn has a fantastic uh, podcast about uh, Canadian investing in the US. And in, uh, mention your shows too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I have a, a podcast called Commercial Real Estate Investing, and uh, I've had several guests talking about investing in mobile home parks in the U.S. And also I have a, another podcast called True Commercial, where we focus on non-residential commercial in the U.S. mainly. And yeah, and maybe um, maybe one day, who knows, maybe there'll be a coaching, a Canadian coaching class about uh, investing in non-residential commercial in the U.S. Cool. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in and looking forward to seeing you next time. Yeah, thanks, everybody. Thanks, everyone.